So that video was taken at TGR week this past week. Our youth group did a week-long events, a whole bunch of cool stuff that they did. And that was our paint wars. They did it over at the new property. They had a blast there. And as we were on our way to paint wars, my kids are in the car, and I'm getting ready to drop them off. And as we get there, we all start to talk in the car about how everybody there was wearing white. And it was like, wow, everyone's wearing white. I guess that makes sense because the paint will stand out a little bit more. But then we look back and none of our kids were wearing white. Pastor's kids, it's always the pastor's kids, right? And so I look at my son, Kay, and he's wearing like dark red and then like black shorts, you know? And I, I love about Cade, he, he walked into this environment and he said, you know what? I didn't come ready, but I'm going to jump in anyway. And I have, to, I have to ask you something this morning. I need some crowd participation here. First, first question is this, is if you came ready today, if you came ready to grow in your faith, if you came ready to learn some new things about God, if you came ready to go a little bit deeper, I see you raise your hand and say, I'm ready. Go, go. All right, all right, cool. So some of you guys, you're all wearing white. Good job, good job, Okay. But some of you guys are wearing red and black right now. And here is my request. Ah, jump in with us today. Jump in with us today. Come on. Let's go. Let's get ready to go and get deeper in our faith. Learn some new things about God. We're really going to jump in today, man. We got some big stuff to tackle. Some big questions to answer. Some questions you ask about God. Some questions you ask about your freedom. And here's what I want to do. I'm just going to throw a bunch of shoes out into the crowd today, so to speak. And I want you to go ahead and grab them and put them on if they fit, okay? If they apply to you, I want you to wear them. I want you to walk out of here. So we're going to jump right in today. And I believe God wants to do some big things in our lives here this morning. And so we're going to talk about five questions we have about our freedom. Five questions. That's what's going to come up in chapter three of Galatians today. So the first question is this, why do I need to keep my eyes on the crucified Savior? Okay, why do I need to keep my eyes on Jesus? When it comes to my freedom, I'll tell you why, and we're gonna really see this in the verses today, because man, everything gets messed up with our freedom when we take our eyes off of our crucified Savior, right? A couple things happen. The first thing is we try to start to save ourselves, right? And, and maybe it's not a complete trying to save ourselves, but often it's a formula of Jesus and. We've been talking about that throughout the series. That yes, I want some Jesus, but I'm going to do my, my part too, right? And so maybe without even realizing it, you've been kind of keeping a little score. You've been tallying some things in this past week to make sure, like if you need a little extra credit with God, that you have it, you know? It's kind of like you have this spiritual amnesia that leads you to trying to earn your salvation again. And it's one thing to work for your salvation. It's another thing to let God work salvation in you, okay? And so I wonder if maybe some of us were trying to tally up some points this past week. I wonder if some of us maybe gave a dollar or two to a homeless person on the side of the street, and there was a little part of us that did it because, you know what, maybe God will like me a little bit more. I wonder if some of us who are maybe sleeping with our boyfriend or girlfriend, we, we've stopped that, and, and now we're going, God, you must owe me now for that, right? Like, that's a huge deal, okay? And man, I don't know, are, are you trying to earn something from God, or are you resting in who God is? Maybe some of you guys obeyed your parents this week. Maybe some of you guys acted in a certain way, just thinking, all right, God's going to take notice of this, and man, I'm going to be in good with him, right? That's what happens when we take our eyes off the crucified Savior. That's what happens when we begin to try to save ourselves. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what Jesus did for you? Maybe it led you to try to save yourself a bit, or maybe it pushed you in the opposite direction. Maybe forgetting the crucified Savior kind of pushed you into some sin. It made you loosen your grip a little bit, and this past week or this past month or this past season, you've just sort of been given into some things again. 
And it's just because your eyes or, or our eyes, man, we could so easily get that spiritual amnesia and, and lose our focus of the crucified Savior. And so, you know what? Lust returns again. We begin to just, again, we, we, we allow it more place in our heart, right? Maybe the hate fills our heart again and we just accept it this time around. Maybe there's a greed that just feels like it's owning us. And so I don't know if forgetting the crucified Savior today has has pushed you toward trying to earn your salvation or or pushed you toward uh, that slavery of sin again, but today we're gonna talk about it. And we're gonna talk about this crucified Savior, and I think getting our eyes on him has the power to change so much in our life. Okay, so now you say, all right, Doug, you're telling me to keep my eyes on Jesus here, right? You're telling me to keep my eyes on God. But there's this question that I have, Doug, because it seems like, God is maybe bipolar as you look at the Bible. It seems like he starts out really mean and cranky and he's all about the law and he's all about these rules and then Jesus shows up and everything's huggy and feely and touchy and grace and faith and like is God trustworthy or is he bipolar, right? And that's a huge deal for us as we try to discover more and more about God. Because some of you here today are going, I don't know if I'm going to get closer to Jesus. I don't know if I'm going to look to this crucified Savior if it feels like his character changes or like the plan changes or like it was going to be one way and then he changed everything and now it's another. And so is God trustworthy? That's something that can mess with us and I want us to see very clearly today if God is trustworthy or not. Now, so you go, okay, Doug, well, great. So so you're saying God may be trustworthy and I got to keep my eyes on him, but but what's up with the fact that he gave the law in the first place? Like, what's that all about? If, if we're talking grace and faith here, why did God give us the law? And what I want you to do today, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to walk out of here so clear about what it is to have a relationship with Jesus and how you get to heaven. And so we're gonna tackle that today. Question four, why do I need saving? Have you felt that arrogance lately or, or some of that attitude toward God? I wasn't that bad. Was I really that bad off before you, Jesus, right? Why do I need saving? And question number five, what did my freedom cost? What did my freedom cost? Again, this is more looking at the cross. This is us coming around the power of the cross because the truth is often we forget how bad off we were apart from Jesus and we forget how much he paid to set us free. Guys, I gotta tell you something. The truth is looking at the cross always changes us. Always changes us. Anybody here like sunsets? Sunsets, come on, we got, okay, wow. All right, there they are. The rest of you are wearing red and black. Come on, people, wake up, right? A lot of people, man, I don't know, we're so moved by that. I can be anxious, I can be stressed out, and then I see a sunset and it's like peace invades my heart. Just looking at that sunset, peace invades my heart. Guys, how much more will invade our heart? as we look at the cross today, as we look at what Jesus did for us today. And so I need you to be ready. I need you to, to, to go with me today because we're, we're heading in deep. And our mission here at our church is to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. So if this is your first time here, we hope that you're loving being here and that you're gonna get something out of us. But also, it's to be a place where Christians can grow deep in their faith. And so if you're a follower of Jesus and you have been a really long time, my prayer today is you will grow today and you will learn today and you'll get closer to our Savior. If you're not a follower of Jesus, how does this all play out for you? Same thing, same thing. Let me change a few words, but basically the same thing. Why you need to get your eyes on the crucified Savior. Is God trustworthy? Why did he give us the law? Why do you need saving? And what did your freedom cost? 
And so we're going to see how all this lines up, how it's all incredibly connected today. And I think we're going to get some big questions answered, some things that kind of are, are obstacles in our relationship with God. And so we're going to look in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to continue this, this kind of moving through the book of Galatians that, that Paul wrote to his friends in this place called Galatia. And you know how sometimes in the Bible people come off a little bit intense, you know? Like, like somebody kind of like, wow, that was, that was a little bit in your face. Well, I have to tell you, as we go into Galatians 3, Paul is like a big teddy bear, man. Paul goes into Galatians Galatians 3, and it's just like a big hug from Uncle Paul. Look how he starts here. Galatians 3, 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? There it is, right? Isn't that, can't you feel the love tonight, right? Man, he is coming with guns blazing, right? He's not playing games here. Why is that? Because he is floored. His mind is blown by how the Galatians are living. Why? Because they do some of the same stuff you and I do try to save themselves sometimes. Or they kind of get pulled off in different struggles of sin. And look what he says next. Beautiful. He says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Okay. Paul is saying, guys, we told you what happened to Jesus. We didn't just tell you that Jesus was crucified. We told you why he was crucified. What, what, what's going on here, right? Paul is, Paul is basically, this is his train of thought. The only way, the only way these people can be living like they're living is if they've taken their eyes off the crucified Savior. He says, guys, we told you Jesus was crucified. We told you what happened with him. Why do you and I need to have our eyes on a crucified Savior? Because our freedom gets all messed up when we take our eyes off Jesus. We become slaves to the rules again. We become slaves to the prison of trying to earn our salvation like the Galatians did. And so were you tallying this week? God, I haven't cursed in a month, so now I'm good with you, right? I haven't screamed at my parents. I haven't screamed at my spouse or my kids in like a week. And that's got to be a record right now, God. And so God, please, just, just tell me you're seeing this and I'm okay with you, right? God, I'm finally content in my singleness, all right? Man, I know I've been chasing people my whole life, but I'm finally content and I just want some credit for it, God, right? Is that you and me or are we resting in the arms of the crucified Savior today? Are we at home in his presence or are we trying to work our way there? Spiritual amnesia, man, makes you try to save yourself, but it also pushes us toward sin, doesn't it, right? Spiritual amnesia leads to sin pretty quickly, right? And so, man, since we last checked in, it's like, wow, lust has taken over, greed has taken over, hate has taken over, unforgiveness has taken over. What would happen if we look back at our crucified Savior today? How do you need to look back to the crucified Savior today? What would it do for you? Would it allow you to rest in him or would it allow you to be free from the sin that has made you think it's better than him? What would it it do for you. Looking at the cross always changes us. What do you need to do to grow in your relationship with him today? Verse two, he says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, he's saying, guys, you used to fully trust in Jesus. You guys remember that? Our band today, when we were praying before service, somebody said, oh God, Help us to remember what it was like when we first put our trust in you. Can you remember that for a minute? When you first put your trust in Jesus, that moment. For some of you, it was in this room. For some of you, it was at the old building. For some of you, it had nothing to do with our church. A friend led you to Jesus. And 
And you were just so completely leaning on Jesus then, right? And Paul here says, hey, what has happened since? It's like since you put your trust in Jesus, you've gone back. You started with God's spirit at work in your life, working out that salvation. But now it's like you're trying to earn it again. What's going on? In the next few verses, Paul asks more similar questions. And then he brings up Abraham. And this is where it gets really interesting. This is where we actually begin to discover the answer to our second question. So the answer to our first question, why do we need to get our eyes back on the crucified Savior, is because, man, that's where our freedom is. Our freedom from trying to save ourselves and our freedom from sin. But, but what about this idea? Is God trustworthy or bipolar? Has it always been one plan or is it many plans? Look at what he says down in verse 8. It says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles. In other words, he would make the non-Jewish people just with him or right with him by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So he says it's all about faith. And so we have this interesting thing going on because I have a question for you. Does anybody know when Abraham lived? Anybody know Abraham's birth date? I don't actually know his birth date. My daughter's birthday was this past week and she's 13 and I'm, uh, seriously thinking about murdering all boys around that age, just so y'all know. But, but anybody know when Abraham lived? Let me, let me make the question a little bit more simple. Did Abraham live before or after the law was given? Before. Before the law was given, right? So, okay, this God who, who seems, wait, wait, bipolar? What's going on? Different plan, different character, different... Wait, wait, wait. He told Abraham before the law was ever given that this was about faith and a savior that would one day come. You know what that means? I hope you remember this statement. The promise precedes the law. The promise precedes the law. In other words, the promise came before the law came. So often we think Old Testament, cranky God, angry God, law-driven God, and then New Testament savior, right? But are you seeing there's, there's just been one plan all along. It's been salvation through faith in this amazing savior who was crucified for you and for me, which tells me God is not bipolar. God is not bipolar. He is trustworthy. He is amazing at orchestrating a beautiful plan. And his work is good. Look down in, in verse 17. We're going to continue with this theme. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later. In other words, Abraham got the promise 430 years before the law was introduced does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. So Paul is saying, look, the law had its purpose. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But Abraham knew it was about faith in a Savior. And I just want to ask you today, is that what you know? Is that what you're living? We live here on religious Long Island. Are you knowing it's about faith in a Savior? Is that what your relationship hinges on? Is that what your right standing hinges on with God today? Or are you trying to check off some boxes to get him to take notice of you? Or are you running the other direction, far from him? He's got so much better for you. And for me, verse 18, for if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. In other words, what he's saying here is the promise is better than the law. The promise of God to save you and me and rescue us out of our pit is better than the law. Which then leads to the next question. Why then was the law given at all? Right? In fact, I think Paul asked a very similar question. i got to try to remember how he put it. Let's see verse 19. Why then was the law given at all? He's asking the same question. 
Why was it given? I mean, this is kind of confusing. I have a friend who, who once said that the law is the most confusing yet simple concept in the Bible. And he's absolutely right, man. It's a little tricky. And so what's with the law? If God is trustworthy, if it's about the crucified Savior, if God is not bipolar, but he's got this one beautiful plan, then why was the law given at all? Look what it says next. It was added, or it was given, because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise had referred, I'm sorry, referred had come. Why has the law been given? The law was given to restrain us. Guys, the law doesn't save us, it restrains us. What, what do I mean by that? Well, you guys remember my Christmas message? I know you all sit around just thinking about my messages from seven months ago. It's okay. You can admit it. I'm securing it. It's all good, all right? Seven months ago. Wow, it's a long time ago. I can't even remember what I talked about. But I do remember there was a bench up on the stage. Or maybe I do remember what I talked about. Okay, there was a bench up on the stage, and I had a seatbelt attached to that bench. And do you remember that represented the law? That, that we were strapped in by the law. In other words, God gave the law not so we would try to save ourselves, but to protect us so we wouldn't kill each other and kill ourselves until Jesus came. That's a little code word on the screen, until the seed came. It's talking about Jesus, and it's an illustration. And so the law was given to restrain us or protect us until Jesus, the Savior, the crucified Savior, came for you and me. And so please don't be confused your, your role on planet earth is not to keep all the rules so that God will rescue you. Jesus has come and rescued and saved us. And if you're a little bit nervous, like I'm just saying, you can just live however you want and don't worry about you know, what, what, what's right and wrong. We're gonna get there next week. And also, right here in this message, I'm talking about, hey, let's not let our, ourselves get distracted and fall into a bunch of sin, right? But we have to recognize that God did not give us this law to try to rescue ourselves in fact, look at what happens when we try to keep the law. Look what it says in verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. It is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Paul's quote in Deuteronomy 27 here. He says, unless we have done everything written in the law. Remember I told you last week, it's not just the Ten Commandments. It's hundreds of commands in the law. Then we are under a curse. Which leads us to question four. Why do I need saving? Why do I need saving? Can I ask you a question? You guys are still ready, right? Raise your hand, Sam. Ready? Okay, good, good, good. You're still with me. Okay, red and black. Wake up. Come on. Let's go. All right? Why do I need saving? Because we have all broken the law. Last week I told you I've broken eight of the ten. And I had a lot of interesting conversations this past week. You people are a mess. I'm telling you. You really want to know all the ways I've fallen short. Thank you so much for that. But it's fun to keep you guessing. So I'm not going to tell you which of the eight. I'll just tell you one, though. I was four years old. I took a life. No, I'm just kidding. When I was four years old, <laughs> when I was four years old, I was at a store. And my great-grandfather, Anthony Morello, loved certs. What are certs? Certs are candy, breath mints. They're not cool like Altoids or any of these new things with cool little containers and bottles. And you could, like, play video games on the side of them and all that kind of stuff. No, certs were old school. You had to rip open the little paper around the side to be able to get the cert out. And at the end of every single... Uh, um, service at Northport Baptist Church. I would sit next to my great-grandpa, and when Pastor Ayers was about nine, you know, nine-tenths of the way done through his message, he would take out the certs, and he would look over, and he'd begin to rip it open and go, Dougie, you want a cert? Just like that, okay? <laughs> and so there I was, and I knew Grandpa loved his certs, and when I was four years old, I'm in the store, and before me, magically, was a whole display of certs conveniently located at my height. 
so that I could lovingly take one from my grandpa. And as a little four-year-old, without even realizing it, I broke commandment eight, and I stole. And so watch your certs, people. That's the moral of the story, all right? You never know when Doug's coming, all right? Guys, we've all broken the law, whether we realized it or not. And what's scary is sometimes we don't realize we've done it, but, but often we do. Often we know. And so why do you and I need saving? Because, man, every single one of us has broken the law. And, man, if that weren't enough, all those, as this verse tells us, who have broken the law are cursed. Like, can I just talk to the followers of Jesus in the room for a minute? Did you forget how far away from you, Jesus, you and I were? Like how far from God we actually were? That we were under a curse? Now what does it mean we're under a curse? Now a curse, I'm not just talking about like when you curse at someone, okay? My nephew Noah is sitting over here and when he was like two years old, he was out in his backyard and he was playing by his fence. And on the other side of the fence were the neighbor's kids. And the neighbor's kids, for whatever reason, Noah was like the, one of the cutest kids I've ever seen in my life. One of the neighbor's kids started to curse at Noah through the fence, and they actually called him the bee curse, okay? And so they're cursing at him through the fence. And my, my sister-in-law overhears my little two-year-old nephew say, word for word, I not a bit, I a Noah. How cute is that, right? Adorable. He has no clue what a curse word even is, right? We're not talking about a curse word you say at somebody, okay? Well, what does it mean that we're under a curse? Well, the curse that you and I are talking about here today is, is God's just and right condemnation against the sinner. And you say, wait a minute, but Doug, that's not fair, man. I mean, like, why would God want to curse people who have sinned? Why would God want to curse people who have done things that are wrong? It doesn't seem fair. Uh, I bet you heard this past week about a tragedy. There was a man named Mike McDermott just a few miles from here. And he was a father of three. He was running on, on Lake Avenue in the shoulder and was hit by a car. And the person driving the car ran away, drove away, and fled the scene. And unfortunately, Mike was pronounced dead on the scene when paramedics got to him and his life was lost. And there's something in you and me that says, wait a minute. That guy just fled the scene? That guy just, just took off? Someone's, someone's got to be held responsible for what happened to this poor man. What is that? It's a sense of, of justice, of right justice that rises up in you and me for this horrific situation. And thankfully, they did catch the men responsible. But guys, that same justice is in the heart of God against all sin, against every single sin. And so you and I were under a curse because we've broken the law over and over again. In World War II, when the Jews were in captivity and when, when really anyone under the Nazis' control was in captivity. They were stripping of their names and they were given numbers. And it was meant to dehumanize these people. And the numbers were often a sign of deep humiliation. And for some, they were a sign of death because their number would be called, marked for death. Guys, you and I, apart from Jesus, we were not just sort of getting by. We were not just hanging on by a thread. We were not tallying up all the good things. I haven't slept with so-and-so. I haven't cursed at anybody in a while. I haven't given to the homeless. I've... We were not doing great. We were cursed because we'd broken the law. Why do we need saving? Because we were lost and we had no hope apart from God. Charles Spurgeon says this. 
He says, be assured too that when God curses, it is a curse of the most weighty kind. The causeless curse shall not come, but God's curses are never causeless. And they come home to offenders with overwhelming power. Sin must be punished. Just like us looking at Michael McDermott and that situation. That must be dealt with, right? Sin must be punished. And when by long continuance and impenitence in evil, God is provoked to speak the malediction. I know that he who curses is, cur- he curses is cursed indeed. There is something so terrible in the very idea of the omnipotent God pronouncing a curse upon a transgressor that my blood curdles at it. Can we just stop and think about that? Can you imagine being cursed by God? Being told you're condemned, you're lost, there's no hope for you? Like that was our condition. And I cannot express myself very clearly or even coherently. One of the greatest preachers of all time couldn't even get it out about how big a deal This was. A father's curse, how terrible, but what it is to the malediction of the great father of spirits. To be cursed of men is no mean evil, but to be accursed of God is terror and dismay. Sorrow and anguish anguish lie in that curse, and death is involved in it. Why do we need saving? Because that was our condition. And you and I look at all this, and we see the weight of this, and we say, well, then where is my hope? What hope do I have? Well, we have to remember We have to remember what our freedom costs. Question number five, what did my freedom cost? Verse 13, this is unbelievable. Guys, if you're a follower of Jesus, oh man, hear this for the first time, right? If you are here for the first time, please look up at the screens. Read this with me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, that curse that you and I deserve, that curse because we had broken the law. By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. Paul's quoting Deuteronomy again. Deuteronomy is the book that told us that we were cursed because we broke the law. And now Paul is using that same book to tell us we are saved and we are rescued and we are redeemed. And our freedom is possible because Christ became that curse for you and me. The weighty, horrible curse that Spurgeon couldn't even fathom fell on Jesus instead of you and me. And we're trying to earn our way to heaven now? Or we're giving into sin because we've taken our eyes off the Savior? I hope you realize today how great the cost was for Jesus to rescue you. I told you last week I've been doing a lot of renovations on my house recently. And I have scratches and cuts all over me. I have a splinter in my hand that I'm hoping someone after church can maybe take out because I think I might lose my hand if I don't. Um, I was up on a chair trying to spackle and sheetrock around an AC vent. And the AC vent, like the return one, not the little one that the air comes out, the return one swung down and cracked me right in my bald head. And I'm glad you think that's funny because it happened again, so laugh it up. And... um, I mean, all kinds of poison ivy. I got poison ivy on both angles. It's been awesome. But here's what I can tell you. The thing that hurt the most, the thing that hurt the most was I was in the garage, and I have all kinds of stuff everywhere because I'm trying to manage sheetrock and wood and all kinds of tools and stuff. And, And there was one thing I needed back like over here, and there was all kinds of stuff in it. And I'm thinking to myself, I can get that. And so I lean against this like material on the wall. You know that little material that they make that put on the wall where you can put in the little metal hooks and then you can hang your tools, right? And so I'm leaning on that material, reaching down, and what happens but my hand goes through the material right into several nails that were coming from the outside of the house to hold 
deciding on. And guys, the poison ivy is not fun and this thing is not fun and the scratches and the cuts and the cracking in the head. And, but I'll tell you what, man, those nail, those nail holes didn't stop hurting. Like they were waking me up. I was going through the week. Every time I went to pick up a piece of sheetrock or a hammer or anything, I felt that I was reminded of the pain of that moment. I can't imagine, I can't imagine what Jesus went through. I had a few little, probably, I don't know what, quarter inch nails go into the palm of my hand. Not through my hand. Not spikes driven to hold me in place, hold me in place. But Christ hung on that pole to redeem you and me. And the worst part of it wasn't the nails. It was that he became a curse. What does that mean? It means that he bore the entire weight of your sin. This is why it's so crazy when we try to save ourselves again. Like the entire weight of your sin. All the things you've ever done from little Doug at four stealing certs to being pure Doug in college to jealous and proud Doug growing up to every aspect of me and all the things I've ever done. He bore all that weight. Tom Constable said this, Jesus was bearing the universal curse of the whole human race, bearing the sin of our race. I guarantee the nails were horrific and the beating and the, and the beard being pulled out of his face. The insults were, were so probably destructive even to the, to the thought process of, of all that Jesus was enduring in those moments. How can my creation be doing this to me and then mocking me in the midst of it? But I guarantee you that when the Father, Jesus' Father, cursed the Son for you and me, so we could go free. That was the worst. That was the most painful. That was the most unbearable. Kevin Young says this, the sins of every murderer were on him. The sins of every rapist were on him. The sins of every thief, every liar, every rebellious child and unfaithful marriage were on him. The sins of every child molester were on the son of God that day. The sins of every lustful thought and sexual perversion were on the son of God that day. The son of God who never committed a sin, the hands that never did anything wrong were stretched out and pierced for us that day day. That's how much your freedom costs. That's why it's crazy to try to save ourselves. And that's why it's crazy to try to run toward the sin that put him on the cross. Let's walk free. Let's walk in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for you and me. Looking at the cross changes us. It has to. Looking at the crucified Savior changes you and me. And then in 24 to 26, we get to this beautiful resolution. It says, so the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. That law is not restraining us anymore. The law is a blessing. We'll talk about that next week, how, how it's there to help line our hearts up with God and do the right thing. But it's not our guardian anymore. anymore. But look at this, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That's who you are today. A child of God through faith, not a prisoner trying to work your way out. 
not a slave trying to work for your freedom, not someone who's tallying up all the good so that you can impress someone so that he'll finally want you. Some of us had a great relationship with our earthly dad. Some of us have a horrible one, but here is a perfect father. Here is one who wants you and looks at you and says, I am your dad. I sent my son to the cross to hang on the pole, which became the curse for him, which should have been you, but I want you. And those are the lengths that I've gone through. And so please stop trying to earn your salvation and please stop running toward the stuff that put him on the cross. What I want you guys to really walk out of here with today, what I hope will stick in your heart throughout this week is this thought, Christ became a curse so you could become a child. Think about that. Christ became a curse. He didn't just get nailed to a cross. He became that disgusting sin, our sin, right there, all the judgment of God taken out on him, that just right judgment of God that should have fallen on you and me, fallen on him. Let's walk in the freedom of that. And let's walk in the freedom of having these answers Question. Let's keep our eyes, our, our questions answered. Let's keep our eyes on the crucified Savior. Let's keep our eyes on him. Let's stop taking him off so that we try to either save ourselves or, or go fall into some sin. Let's keep our eyes on that crucified Savior. And let's know God is trustworthy. He is not bipolar. He is not a cranky old God in the Old Testament with a nice, warm, you know, touchy-feely God in the New. No, same God, same plan, same thing. Promise precedes the law. Scripture announced to Abraham in advance, law was given to restrain us, not save us. That's why the law was given, to protect you and me. You guys, the parents in the room, you got some rules for your kids, right? Because you love them and you want to protect them. I have a dumpster at my house right now and I, I walk outside last night around nine o'clock and Landon's like hanging out on the side of it. I'm like, dude, get down. He goes, dad, that thing weighs like 5,000 pounds. It's never going to fall on me. I'm like, no, you're going to fall in it. I got laws, I got rules in my house. Why? Because I love my kids and I'm gonna restrain them from diving head first into a dumpster full of nails. You know what? God looks at you and me and goes, man, can you please stop staying on the side of the dumpster? I have so much better for you. Where were we? Why did we need saving? Cursed, cursed, because we've broken the law. But what did our freedom cost? It cost Jesus becoming that curse in our place so that we could become a child. Christ became a curse so you could become a child. If you are a follower of Jesus, man, my prayer for you is that we would walk free. And I don't think we can pretend that because we've been following Jesus for a long time. And I know many of you, and I know some of you have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive for decades, some of you guys. Some of you guys, in the last several years, you've been following Jesus. And we could so easily get pulled back into this stuff. I'm telling you, like we saw last week, Peter, who was like Peter, rock star Peter, got pulled back into this, didn't he? And Paul had to call him out. So if Peter got pulled back into trying to keep the rules and back into some hypocrisy, you and I can too. So my prayer today is that this is fresh, that this is new to you, that this feels like that first time again, hearing what Jesus did for you so that you can walk in the freedom that he has for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, oh man, it's my heart's prayer that today you would trust him. Today you would look to him. Today you would stop trying to save yourself and you would realize the great lengths that God has gone through, this trustworthy, loving God who became a curse for you to rescue you from your sin so that you could be free. 
you want to put your trust in him today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. I'd love for you to pray with me and do that. Most exciting thing in the world to see somebody take a step toward Jesus. But remember this week, remember this week when you're tempted to take your eyes off your Savior, when you're tempted to go back to saving yourself or back toward the sin that put Jesus on the cross, remember the freedom that he purchased. And remember what it cost him. Christ became a curse so you could become a child. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, this plan is so amazing. It's so mind-blowing. It's so good. We love you, God. And I pray today that we will walk in the freedom you have purchased for us, God. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've been tripping over any of these questions, I pray you found some freedom today. I pray you get your eyes back on the crucified Savior today. I pray that you would stare Jesus in the face because when you look at him, it changes everything. It has to. It has to. You can't stay the same as you're looking at Jesus. And so would you have a conversation with Jesus if you lately have been trying to tally up your score so that you stand before him, look a little bit better, and just say, God, I, I just, I got, I'm putting my scorecard down. God, I put it down. I need you. I need you. I need you. Save me. And if you've been running back to the sin that put Jesus on the cross, the sin that once became a curse for him, would you confess that to him? Jesus, I'm so sick of this. I'm so tired of this. God, the lust, the greed, the anger, the hurt, uh, my, my fears, my, my, my discontent with where I'm in my stage of life. God, the way I've been screaming at my parents or my spouse or my children, sleeping around, the impurity. God, I'm just, that's the prison. That's the prison. I want to walk in the freedom that Jesus became a curse set me free from. Don't let the law make you think you're a slave because you're a child. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I'd love for you to pray with me. You could just quietly pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for becoming a curse, for not just enduring spikes being driven through your hands and your feet, for not just enduring your enemies laughing at you and cursing at you or not just enduring beatings that, that should have taken your life even before the cross did but thank you that you became a curse and that you let the Father curse you in my place Jesus help me to follow you now and help me to walk in the freedom that you've purchased for me thank you for this gift of salvation that today makes me a child. So before we open our eyes today, I would love for you to give me a quick glance so that I can be praying for you this week. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, that anyone in the room today ask Jesus to be their Savior for the very first time today. Anybody else? Just a quick look up in the eyes. Anybody else here today? Awesome. Thank you, God. Anybody else? So God, we give you praise for those who have put their trust in you today. And Jesus, let us all together walk free as your children.